Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting the show. If you want to check us out on all of our social media platforms, check us out on Twitter at Tinfoil Hat Cast. On Instagram at Tinfoil Hat Pod. Uh, you can find us on Reddit. Uh, it's reddit.com backslash r backslash Tinfoil Hat Show. Or all comedy t shirts.com. If you have any suggestions for future guests or topics, go ahead and email us at tinfoilhatpod at gmail.com. Tinfoil hat. Coyote people everywhere. Tinfoil hat. Hey, man, we're the there, dog. Tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Are you ready to get your mind blown? Revolution will be podcasted. The revolution will be podcasted. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. It is Sam Tripoli. Back in the saddle, you know who I am. You know what I'm here to do. Uh, I'm very excited uh, that uh, you guys are joining us today. A lot of amazing things going on in the world of conspiracies. What a time to be alive, you and yours, and me and mine. Um, obviously, the live shows are killing it. Like we said, you know, Canada sold out. You know, we, we're going to be out in uh, in October. We're going to be at the Philly punchline for the tinfoil comedy night eddie bravo myself and uh who who knows what other guests we're gonna get to join us so go to go to punchlinephilly.com grab those tickets now and then september 4 october 14th we're gonna be in my home homeland the 315 and the 607 come and meet my mother she will be there come to the go to syracusefunnybone.com and grab those tickets to sunday night we're gonna pack that mother out uh Listen to me, Eddie, and my mother talk conspiracies. So come out and get those. And then I forgot to mention October 3rd, I'm at the Brea Improv. It's an evening of Sam Tripoli and his weirdo friends. We have uh, Corey and Chad, the Smash Brothers, George Perez, and Mike Tully. And I'm going to add somebody new to that. We're going to figure it out. But that is the show. Please, uh, I am talking to people about t-shirts. That's going to be happening. The Patreon is rocking. Uh... I'm going to put together a YouTube channel just for the Patreon. If you subscribe to that, I'm going to start being able to live stream on Patreon, and that's the goal. Uh, Guys, I know it's just me. I promise you we will be putting out killer shows over and over again, so your support is amazing. And part of that support comes from our new sponsors, BetDSI. BetDSI, for all your bet needs, go to BetDSI, use the promo code HAT. 100 that's right hat 100 and you can bet on all the stuff coming out i know you're into conspiracies i know you love conspiracies you want to you can maybe bet on it will the lizard people finally come out as bisexual who knows is the moon hollow maybe we can make a bet on that did we go to the moon who knows we're gonna bet on that but i also know as you're in your bunker in your man cave with your lady getting ready for the end of days you also like to watch a little sports so check it out we got college football rocking right now we got football nfl going nba is about to turn it up and major league baseball the finals uh, the playoffs are coming probably won't include the st louis cardinals but definitely the dodgers will be there for sure and uh, UFC, full force, Conor McGregor, all that. So if you want to support the show, just go check out BetDSI.com. Use the promo code HAT100 and join us and uh, help support the show. 
Uh, Bet DSI is one of the oldest sponsors of my other podcast. They're nice enough to come on here. If we show them that we can uh, show up and rock out, they're going to stay with us, which helps the show grow. Trust me on that. Because I'm going to need some help with certain things on this show, like, you know, putting together graphics and all that stuff. And that will help with the sponsorship money. So help out the show. We support you. All this stuff is available on Instagram, Twitter, and all that stuff. And that's that. So let's get into the show. We have a wonderful show coming up. I'm very blessed. I get hit up a lot of times by a lot of people to do the show, and I try to get to everybody the best I can. But this gentleman was uh, passed on by a friend of mine named Robin. Uh, he's part of a really amazing production company here in Hollywood. They're called No Restrictions Entertainment. Uh, he works with a great director named, listen to this. Tell me this isn't some weird uh, some weird ass universe at work. Uh, he works with a writer and director named Edgar Michael Bravo. Where have we heard that name before? A little Eddie Bravo, different Eddie Bravo. Uh, he is the producer. Please welcome. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to have him on the show. John Paul Rice, everybody. Hey, pleasure to be here. Thank Thanks you for so coming in, man. Greatly appreciated. Uh, Robin hooked us up. Robin had a really cool website going for a while. Yep. But as most things go, uh, uh, and on this show, partnerships sometimes don't go the way you want it to. And then, you know, it is what it is. So right. she hooked me up. Uh, with you and you know, and the projects that you've done. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and then a little bit about your production company? Yeah, so I got involved in feature film producing uh, about 10, 10, 15 years ago. I moved out to L.A. in 2001 after getting an opportunity to work on Remember the Titans as a football player. And I had a great experience with that in the middle of college while I was going into school for business. Where'd you go to school? Georgia State University. Georgia State. Yep. I was ra- I was born and raised in Fort, or I should say, I was born in Fort Lauderdale and I was raised in Georgia and Kentucky. And then um, I just went into state college because it was convenient. I also had a full time job, so my whole job was going to be into business and into sales. And I'd always done theatrical plays as a kid in addition to playing sports I wanted to be a major league baseball player as a child and and then I always had this other thing of of art and once I got into school I had an elective course in the history of motion cinema I learned everything from the uh, first film that was ever made in 1895 the the doors of the factory opening going through Orson Welles Citizen Kane Casablanca some of the classics to the modern era and uh, it inspired me to get back into acting and because of that, I got the opportunity to be on Remember the Titans. I auditioned for it. I got the part. And then a year later, I was working on independent you know, movies there in Atlanta and moved out to L.A. after the premiere and got a job in working in a sales finance production company here in L.A. and was mentored by Joseph Drake, who was the eventually the executive producer of The Hunger Games, Juno, The Grudge, Whoa, Harold wow. So I got to learn under him for four years. That was like going to school in the film industry. And I met Edgar Michael Bravo, and I read his scripts, and we started going out with his scripts, just cold calling some of the studios. We built a momentum. And what year was this? This is around uh, 2002 to 2006 or so. So in a weird way, you were very much ahead of the time where it's like self-funding, whereas like yeah. the internet isn't what it was. The internet now wasn't like that back then. Right. You know, so like back when I tell people like, oh, man, you know, you don't understand. We used to promote. We used to literally have to hand out flyers to people. 
So now we have this whole thing where you're like you're doing crowdsourcing, mm-hmm. funding through the internet and all this stuff. You were doing that much earlier. You were kind of like going out with your projects and trying to find your own funding, which may, probably happened earlier in movies than most other forms of art. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody was really looking to do that in comedy and stuff like that, but probably in movies it was very prevalent. So you were kind of ahead of the game. Yeah, I mean, it was the financial crash of 2007, 2008 that forced us to have to go to the internet and build an audience for our movies because the industry at that time didn't know what was going to happen and they were consolidating. So we were able to get on all these digital platforms. We became a major hit with our first film. It was based on a true story called One Hour Fantasy Girl, dealt with a young girl who's struggling through Hollywood where she works as a no-sex call girl. She performs any fantasy a man's wants, uh, man wants as long as there's no sex, no kissing. And it was very provocative. Kissing is so weird that that's this weird rule. Like, you no know, kissing on the mouth. Yeah, it's, it's like, like Julie Roberts made this rule. And then, like, all of a sudden, it just became the rule of law. And, like, <laughs> you always, you know, it's like, oh, you, you go to a strip on no kiss. It's just like this weird rule that seems to be within the prostitution room. It's like anything goes, but no kissing. Yeah. I mean, I could understand from a hygiene, hygiene standpoint, but I think it was interesting that there's these boundaries. And the reason why they would want certain boundaries for control and strength and power, uh, both the power that they're trying to enact on the other person or the power that they're trying to keep or take. And so that movie launched us. It got us on the map. It got us a lot of critical acclaim reviews. We were a bestseller on Amazon up there with King's Speech, uh, Brokeback Mountain in the top drama category for several months. And then it allowed us to get more attention to do more films. So we made three movies out of the gate within three and a half years. Uh, We did a movie on homelessness called The Magic Stone. We did another one on child abuse with Mother's Red Dress. And all of these films, they're not documentaries. So they're, they're narrative features that you would go to the theater to see. They involve you in the narrative of the characters that just so happen to work in these themes and these issues that give people an emotional context to understand what happens to somebody when they go through something like this. I I was expecting a doc when I watched the movie and I saw it was scripted and I think that's wonderful. And I think that you guys are doing something very important. You're using art to enlighten people on situations. Whereas, you know, we're in a city where everything is just uh, almost this push to dumb down, uh, you know, Mitzi Shore used to say, "Is like never ever like uh, encourage mediocrity." And I, and not that I'm judging anybody, it's like really hard to even get anything going here. But what we see makes it to the television, and sees what makes it to the big screen. And listen, dude, I love the movie Rampage with the fucking rock. And you could be like, I just know that even the movies that should be bad are kind of like glistening right now. But it's really hard to to try to get something made that is does not fit into the narratives in which Hollywood wants to push. Yeah. Meaning that, you know, you have a lot of indie flicks that maybe will cover the Holocaust or, you know, uh, blacks rising up against white. And I'm not trying to get political right now, but when you have another kind of narrative that I feel is equally as important, but maybe not something Hollywood wants light shined on, such as sex trafficking and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it's harder to get people behind it. Yeah. It's very easy to get funding for political ex- uh, statements that are accepted by the norms. You know, it's like Colin, you know, uh, Kaepernick taking a knee up against against you know, white cops shooting black cops. Well, if you had a story about cops just shooting people, it may not get the funding because the narrative they really like 
fits this thing. It's like, why do young women, why when the news got, why does it get more traction when the girl that's missing is a young white girl or a white woman over a black woman being kidnapped? Right. It's like, why does that emotionally pull a string when it's, they all should pull strings? Why is a white cop shooting a black cop get an emotional string? You know, pull emotional strings when it should be cops shooting any everybody who's unarmed. Like that should be the narrative, mm-hmm. and it's about emotional pulls and all that stuff. And what is what is cool to bitch about, not cool to bitch about, as you pick some stuff that isn't a sexy topic mm-hmm. to talk about, and in in particular, child sex trafficking, which is the movie that you sent me, which is Child's Love, I believe it's a Child's called? Voice, a yep. Child's Voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that movie? Yeah, so. Um just in terms of the story, it's a supernatural thriller. It's based on uh, the story of a uh, young homeless teen boy who's a heroin addict. And in the process of shooting up one night, he hears this cry for help uh, from a kid who has been sacrificed uh, in a ritualistic... That was a hard scene to watch for me because I, I knew it was um, I knew it was a drama and it's obviously scripted, but... It was it was it wasn't hard and that wasn't good. It was hard because I know this shit happened. Yeah, that was that's the part that we we wanted to put it in the movie because for people who didn't good. know, I want you to know that they were yeah they were willing to like a lot of people after the premiere came up to us. They're like, is that really what happens? I said yes, but here here are some things you need to do to you know go do your further research and it's all available out there to find it and it's not circumstantial or these are people we have witnesses we have we have survivors today by the dozens we have books we have court cases we have fbi files that we can go through and pour through over decades you can go back to the franklin scandal you can look at ted gunderson yes you can go to ronald bernard today you can look at annette lucas who's at six years old was sex trafficked by the elite as she calls it in britain and she saw a chopping block with blood on it, stains of blood of the other children that were there. This is all documented on YouTube and uploaded, and you can search for it and you can find it. So the conspiracy is either um, there's a conspiracy of silence or all of these people who come from different walks of life and backgrounds randomly over several decades and more so than before today are coming forward and telling their stories with credibility, and no one is calling them a liar or saying you're a conspiracy theorist. They're just ignoring them. They're not. They're not bringing this into the mainstream. The so, silence is deafening, in my in my opinion. You know, the allegedly like this one girl's calling out Tom Hanks on, and this is me talking. Nobody else calling the, calling him out. Right on Twitter, mm-hmm. and he hasn't said one thing. Who else has been like that? Steven Spielberg has been called out several times, and nobody said one thing. And even when I mentioned on stage, I hear audible gasps when I mention Tom Hanks. And like, I'm not saying that he is doing it, but this woman's laying down some really hard accusations, and she's not pulling back. And he hasn't said anything. Right. You know, when I was a young comic, I had this older comic accused me of stealing one of his jokes and i didn't just sit there and ignore i called that dude up and i go dude what is up what Mm -hmm. is up and i talked to the management i you know you accuse me of something i didn't do i'm very quick to defend myself the silence is deafening and like when you say these names it's so hard for people to grasp that this is maybe happening but there is silence Mm -hmm. and it's deafening in my opinion well i mean if you look at it Every single person, whether, whether they are or not, the moment you put a camera on them 
And the moment you you fill it with a story and a background, it now it, – it removes itself from the context of who these are as people. And we emotionally identify with them because they're coming into our homes. They're on our TV. They're in front of us. And it's it's a brand. I mean this is no different than – let's go in here. But Hillary Clinton, okay? Poor Hillary Clinton. Uh, just a, a, a victim of her own success and her accomplishment and her achievement with the, the Children's Fund and everything that she's done for kids and women just so happens that every single person that she's ever been associated with is either a child sex predator or somebody involved in child sex trafficking or doing something that's they're going to prison, they're going to jail, they're doing illegal activities. Or they're dying. Or they're dying, right. So, so at some point, you know, you have to disassociate yourself and totally, and I understand this. Look, I, I'm not coming down on voters and people because we have been manipulated for decades and conditioned. Um, that's what I'm getting out of all of this. And, and my journey into this world was, if you had told me this like three years ago, well, I, I would have said, you're, you're a right-wing nut job, conspiracy theorist, Alex Jones, you know, totally, like completely, just would have labeled you immediately. I'd go, that's not even possible. The idea of any of this is, is, is insane. But the reality is, is that when you look at what we have, what has been put over us, and you look at just from a, a more objective, observable place, we have uh, poisoning of the ecosystem more than ever before. We have greater income inequality than ever before. We have greater poverty and starvation, human sex trafficking in this world. We have a decline in our ecosystem. We have all of these things in decline, all of these systems in decline. And we have continued to vote for people and put them in positions of power based on the ideas that they were going to fix these things, and yet they have gotten worse. It's not even like, oh, they tried and they didn't do enough. It's that they've gotten worse. And whether that's by design or not, the system itself is not working. It is not working for us. It's not helpful to human beings in this regard. And when we get to children, and we're talking about child sex trafficking, sex trafficking of children who are being raped, their bodies are being destroyed beyond all recognition in some cases to the point where, right, you know, and then we also have women who can't have reconstructive surgery, that their bodies are so damaged they can never bear children ever again. For sure, dude. And it's just like, you know, some people, they're just tuning in for the first time hearing this stuff. They should be really shocked. We, we on the show have been talking about this for so long, and the pushback is unbelievable, yet they're so quickly to believe that uh, the, the, the Catholic Church can do it, because they did do it, right. and the Penn State or, or Michigan State. They're so quick to do it, and they're like, but yet when you talk about Hollywood and you talk about Washington, D.C., there is this giant pushback to defend people that they've never met before. Right. So I, I remember when, uh, you know, you, this podcast came about when uh, uh, the last podcast that I had on this feed kind of crashed and burned when me and my co-host had a falling out. We're, we're very good friends. I, I I did stand up at his wedding like a month ago. We're very cool. And the blessing is that, if the, you know, the universe works in strange ways that th- that podcast came to an end. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so, so I was kind of just like, I was really, in, I was always involved in just studying politics, but I saw something going on with Bernie mm-hmm. and I saw this thing going, okay, Bernie is, Bernie's doing rallies with 40, 50,000 people at them multiple times and Hillary can't even put 
even when she has Jay-Z and Beyonce there, cannot even put fit more than 50, 60 people in this thing. Yeah, I'm seeing poll after poll after poll come out that this woman is winning it. And I knew mm-hmm. right there was up. And so I started following people like Lee Camp and, and, and Jimmy Dore who talked about uh, you know this the the rigging of the primary that's going on, mm. and, and they would cite these statistics and these what, and they would all work out. So that starts happening, and then for whatever reason, WikiLeaks drops his hammer, and all these emails come out. And I knew that WikiLeaks had this like uh, like there's very few things in life that bat a thousand, right? Okay, right. Mother Nature, you're going to. Eventually die. There's no one that's beat. There's the story of the the, the the Asian man in China who lived to 285, but he died at some point, even if that was true or not. Nothing bats a thousand. You got to breathe oxygen or you'll die and you're eventually. Those are the only things in life. And WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks has batted a thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been sued a bunch of times and never once has any of the any any of their stories. They've had to recant. They've never had to recant any of them. Mm-hmm. So I knew this about. Them. So I started reading this stuff, and then we start hearing about like pizza and, and hot dogs and all this, and Obama ordering fifty thousand dollars worth of pizza to this it it doesn't even make any fucking sense right so then i just start really like just watching this story because i knew that like money and power corrupts i knew Mm. that money and power corrupts so i'm watching this story and then just this avalanche of information comes Mm. out and it's basically about comet ping pong this guy walks and then when i really knew it was real it was when the kid walks in to the to comet ping pong with a gun and all he shoots is the computer that's that's the hard drive so i investigate this kid and then i find out that this kid his father worked for the clinton foundation and the uh habitat for haiti i read a lot about that everybody uh everybody who um what's her name that got arrested laura silsby silsby her her lawyer also gets arrested for running a child sex trafficking ring and they weren't even necessarily lawyers that's that's the part of it that they oh they, they so they don't even know that so then mm-hmm. i find out that that comic ping pong and the guy who runs comic ping pong his lawyer okay is the guy who owns best of pizza which is right down the street their logo is the fbi symbol for boy love right. okay he's in charge of uh fighting child sex trafficking in in Washington D.C., he's a, he is in charge of the government department and battling child sex. I go, why is this guy defending this this guy that's been accused of all this horrific shit? Mm-hmm. And then you realize they all have in common mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And like, and I was on Mark Marin, and we were talking about, it and I literally go to him, this woman has to be the least lucky human <laughs> being in the world. To be associated with so much darkness. And it's actually sexist to sit there and say that a woman is incapable of this evil. Because when you tell me that and you go, oh, it's because she's a chicken. I go, well, let's look at all the other uh, first ladies before her and since. How many of them have been accused of anything? Not a lot of them. Not a lot of them, if any of them. I mean, Nancy Nancy Reagan got a little shit because she they dragged their feet on the AIDS epidemic. 
That's about it. But every one of them has kind of either been quiet or not, you know, no scandals at all. Right. Why is it just this one woman who's consistently being named in scandal after scandal? Yeah. And the the one thing that I learned, uh, there's a there's a great website called Corey Diggs. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but Corey Lynn, she did an article on the Clintons in Haiti going back to 1975, going back to 1975. When her and Bill, when they were together in Arkansas, went to Haiti for the very first time and participated in a voodoo ceremony where they saw two people, a man and a woman, becomes possessed. One woman uh, bit a head of a chicken off and the other man, I, I forgot what he did, but then they came out of it and she was totally fascinated by that higher power that was able to be exerted. So they continued to go back, but they didn't stop at voodoo. They got into black magic. Oh, man. And and this is all documented. The dark art. This is all documented in the Haitian papers. Never made its way over to the United States. And Corey reveals this that we're talking about where they sacrifice kids, drink their blood, and eat their flesh. Yeah. And she went there twice, once for his election in 92. And then she went alone, supposedly in 96, during his re-election for the, all the scandals that we're about to break and whatnot. But that was just so that they have a belief, whether it's true or not in terms of what it actually gives them, they have a belief that by doing these things to children, that it gives them power. And when I line that up with what Ronald Bernard and others who have come forward to talk about, their contempt for human life, the power that this darkness gives them, and the fear in the children the adrenaline. We talked about andriochrome uh, uh, blood. Yeah, you know, it was like, and the adrenaline in that is like it's like it's like LSD, right? It has properties that'll give yeah, them a high. Yeah, and um, what what really sickened me, I guess, when you see this is that these people are standing in front of you and they look just like you and I. They got eyes, ears, nose, mouth, and they're talking and they're smiling, and yet this is also going on inside of them. And we're, we're thinking, okay, at some point, they're going to break. At some point, they'll admit it. At some point, she's a total narcissist. She's never once in the last two years ever, you've never seen her with all the available evidence and the feedback that has been given to her about the election loss. I'm just talking about it as an example of a narcissist. Right, right. She has never once even paused or considered or reversed her stance and said, you know what? Um, I accept total blame for this. Now, after having looked at everything, you know, this this is indicative of who they are and why they can move forward in that world. I mean, you don't get up. I mean, There's, Julian Assange says it. You don't get in this world, in this world of politics and power by by being, uh, you a know. A good guy. Yeah, a good guy. I mean, they're, they're either going to turn you or you're going to be turned out. Um, and I've talked to multiple people who've worked in D.C., including one who knows that, for a fact that you don't go to any of these cocktail parties outside of the White House because they know that they're going to drug you and they're going to have you wake up next to a boy or a girl that's underage and they've got all the photos and everything at that point to blackmail you and stop you in your tracks. The initiation, dude. That's what it is. It's an initiation and they do it. And people can't come to grips with this. I mean, these are the people who basically greenlit 
uh, the largest terrorist attack in it with 9-11. They yes. just sat back. And, you know, she comes from fucking shady shit, dude. Like, her father took over the Chicago mob after they threw Al Capone in jail, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. If that was the gangster, I know there was. That's correct. She He took over. Like, this whole Clinton body count thing is old gangster, whack-off, loose ends type shit. Yeah. That she learned. And, like, people can't grasp it because of identity politics. Because people look at her, they go, that's my mom. That's my grandma. Mm-hmm. My grandma wouldn't do that. Or I couldn't do that. I mean, people need to do some investigation. And don't do it. Don't look into it trying to find reason not to believe it. Right. Look into it going, okay, I'm going to read some stuff by some, a lot of people who are very credible, who've worked very hard independently. Like, I would trust an independent person over someone who's on the payroll of the military-industrial complex. Yeah. Who, like, I mean, like, this whole thing with, um, who's in, was I forget the name of the company, but they get busted. They're running ICE. Um, they basically get busted all the time with child sex trafficking. They've been busted before. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's a very high-up intelligence company. The name is, I know you guys are home. No Thinking of DynCorp? DynCorp. Mm-hmm. They've been busted more and more. Yeah. All the time. Cynthia McKinney taking on Donald Rumsfeld. You can go and look up on YouTube. It's the first time that anybody had ever really trotted them out in a public square and and debated them on it. Um, she, of course, lost her position very quickly. Yeah. Because yeah. you know what? You don't get to those meetings. Those real everyone's well. Why didn't anyone say anything? Because you don't get to those meet those meetings if you, they think you will say yeah, something. Yeah. This is this is uh, this is all a group. Um, these are these are groups and factions and clans and I mean you can go through bloodlines and all that but I, w- I want to for the people that are still listening that that are that are not believing <laughs> people who've jumped off no no I mean for the people that don't believe this is possible I want to I want to pose Aaron yeah I want to pose this question okay um, take the military industrial complex uh, now you have generals in there and people that are good soldiers and I, I believe that there's a there's a portion of them that. Uh, remember what the professional soldier was, right? Not the interventionalist, the torturer, or the Abu Ghraib yeah, kind of. Right. And and you know you can read Nick Terse's uh, book, "Kill Anything That Moves," in in about Vietnam and the My Lai massacre was a daily occurrence. It's not one time; it was a daily occurrence over there. So we take these young men and women, eighteen to twenty four years old, and we murder them. We soul murder them. We the PTSD actually doesn't come from witnessing this; it's participating in it, watching someone else die in front of you at the hands of your weapon, and um, and then the atrocities of rape and murder and and butchering of people. But I just want to I just want to pose this question to the audience: Is that do you think that the people, with all the even just the last seventeen years of war and the bombs and the killings and the murders of of innocent women and children on the battlefield, not even in the battlefield, wherever they want to drop a bomb or, or a drone strike, do you really think that those same individuals who finance that, who plan it, who execute it at the highest levels, have a hard line that somewhere, well, yeah, we'll we'll kill women and children, we'll call it collateral damage. But we we won't traffic children. We won't yeah. we won't murder and and ritualistically abuse children. And we will we have we have a moral code that we have to aspire to. It's you know you really have to do 
a lot of mental gymnastics to kind of say, yeah, you know, I don't want to touch that sex with kids. That's bad. Murder of children is bad. Uh, Luciferian, you know, ritualistic sacrifice. I mean, that's kind of crazy. But these people over here, they're making shit tons of money, For billions sure. of dollars to drop bombs. And then and the other part of the Pentagon program that they don't talk about is the ones where if they run out or if they don't run out, here's the key. If they don't use all their arsenal within the allotted budget year, they don't get re-upped. They do cuts. So what they'll do is they'll just go on dry runs of bombings just to use that munition. They Those ran mun- out of bombs. In Syria. Obama ran out of bombs. Chocolate Jesus, the only president, the only president to ever have day one to last day be in war. And you just sit there and you identify him because, you know, goes now that's racist to think that a black man can't be fucking as evil. Anybody in that position, like we say in the show all the time, you put Santa Claus in the role of president. He'll be a war criminal in two years. I mean, Michelle Obama got hammered by those who fight for truth when she goes, we can't be separating kids, these kids at the borders. We can't separate these kids, even though her husband did it for eight fucking years and nobody wanted to talk about that. And like these people act like it's a brand, like the world's gone to shit in a year and a half. This is just a continuation. So they talk about, like Michelle Bob's talking about separating kids, but yeah, her husband is carpet bombing with drones, missing their target at 90% clip. 90% clip. You couldn't even go, you couldn't even play wreck basketball if you miss 90% of your shots. But that's what we do, and nobody cares because they can't believe that their guy is doing it. This identity politics bullshit, I don't think it was ever real, but definitely when the Clintons come in, the Koch brothers funded their whole fucking thing to move them. They they were the cocaine cowboys, and they were fucking funneling coke through Arkansas. They've been accused before of killing two boys on a track. The guy who basically came out said, I was there, I watched it happen, and and they can't believe it. Yeah. They can't believe it. There's a real argument that the worst thing that ever happened to the United States was the Clintons. If it's not the Bushes, it's the Clinton. And they worked together to get rid of the Kennedy family. Mm-hmm. The Kennedy dynasty was wiped off the planet by those two groups, from Bush killing JFK Sr. to a good argument that Hillary had something to do with JFK Jr. dying because a week later she, he's running for that. He was running for the seat in New York, leading her in the polls, Two weeks, two, uh, he dies a week later. She basically announces that she's running for him. So, I mean, like, and you just can't believe it. So, individually, these moments mean nothing. But collectively, it leads to something. Like, people have been tried and convicted of murder when they can't find the body and they can't find the gun because there's so much evidence that goes, it's got to be this fucking guy. And you're just sitting there defending people that wouldn't pee on you if you were on fire. You care about these people. They, they, they couldn't. They look at you like your cattle. She, like, dude, the whole thing about this Russian gate is her fucking trying to figure out a way to steal the presidency from mm-hmm. whatever you think of Trump is. 
That, that's how crazy they are. They actually thought if they found him guilty and he got kicked out, that she would go in. Mike Pence would probably go in. Their whole plan didn't even work because they owe so many people fucking cash. Mm-hmm. And to sit there and act like this isn't happening, the children aren't be- And like this town where we get so sensitive on racism, so sensitive on sexism, so sexist on anti-Semitism, and, you know, and we and homophobia. And those are all great things. Mm-hmm. Yet, if you do a joke about pedophilia and not just a joke about it, but actually a joke saying, well, you fuck kids, everyone tells you, oh, dude. It's just a joke. Let it go. It's just a fucking joke. Well, you know why? Because no one can spin that into a fucking diversity showcase, a diversity writing job, or nothing like that. That's all it is, man, because they can't use it to help their career, so it's not important. And all we talk about in this town is punching up and punching down and context. And I don't know what more is punching down than the kidnap of foster kids and fucking orphans or kids off the street. They're powerless. A woman who gets sexually assaulted is awful. It's awful. She can go to the cops. She can spray the guy. You know? Racism. If I say an N-word to a black guy, he can come up and beat my ass. Kids can't do anything. No, they're the most defenseless and vulnerable of all of us. And that's not to to uh, lessen the struggles of people. No. And, and, and or the Me Too movement and, and what it actually means because there's real grievances there, right? I mean, we, we know that. For sure. Right. But when you're talking about children, I, I want to bring this point up because it's, this is about the industry, too. When the Me Too movement started, I was, you know, I was on kind of working not with the Bernie Sanders campaign, but I was one of the people that volunteered and went around. And I, so I met a lot of celebrities that were local here that were, you know, doing the marches and, the, and that kind of thing. When the Me Too movement started, I was on Facebook with a lot of them, friends of theirs, and they were posting the rallies and what they were going to go do. And this is, you know, and I kind of got a wind that this was a, you know, this is a woman's thing as as so far as you agree with this and and this is, you know, getting it, getting it out, right? And that's right. Okay, fine. But when I suggested to these individuals and I, I messaged them personally and I said, and the children, don't forget about the children. This is before I really knew everything. This is this is a year, two years ago. Um, there was pushback from from women who said to me, "I know, John, I know," and I didn't really understand that until I started getting into more of what Hollywood was doing in Open Secret, the documentary, uh, and then researching the history. And the child sex abuse in this industry has been going on for decades. I mean, Shirley Temple, there was all stories about her with that. And, it, and, it, and the thing is, is that here's the thing. Um, what this all goes back to, perpetrators and victims, is child abuse. You don't conjure up these kinds of thoughts. I'm talking about as a perpetrator. Right. You do not think in these ways about kids sexually for power or violence or anything over them unless that was done to you as a child in some capacity. For sure. This is Hillary Clinton. This is anybody else that has sought power in reality of the structure that has been built in every single industry across the board. So when we have Hollywood – are there good people that work in Hollywood? Of course there are. There are. There There's are good lot, people at the are, CIA. There's good people at the FBI. There's wonderful cops. Right, I have a but they're powerless. They're powerless. The people at the very top 
And these are people who are not financed just by their own fortunes. These are people who are backed by other areas within our government that are very dark. Fuck very, yeah. And they Operation are— Mockingbird. Look, the thing is, is that when you are tempted with money and power at an unlimited level, and there is a DA and a, and a police department and an entire system that will enable you, you're going to get very bad outcomes when you encourage this. When you take artists, and and I, I let, look, I'm an artist. I come from an artist background. Right. I understand that my journey in life is not because uh, I was raised by a loving mother and father, but because I had deficiencies in that area. And there were other people that came in and helped me and closed that gap and gave me an opportunity to be where I am today. But what we need to understand is that here in Hollywood, you have a lot of people that are seeking something. Outside of just the arts, right. there's fame, there's money, there's right. power, right. Right. there's all right. that that attracts them to leave home, to right. leave their families and their friends behind and go somewhere else to seek something. Many of those people, and I have met thousands of them in my time here, have been traumatized by something in their life. And it affects the reality of the way they see things. It even affected the way I saw things. And things that I didn't even really think about at the time that were really inappropriate. I'm just not like a, a gesture or a touch, but right. shit that I heard. You know, things that were said to me, the disgusting nature of people in this town, not all of them, but among a certain group. And they all seem to find each other and they all seem to work together. And they'll talk lovingly about each other in ways that you and I would, you know, if we got to know each other and had a beer, say, Sam's a great guy. I love him right, to death. Right, you know, right, like, right. And, and that is true for them. That's the reality. But this, this world out here is a fertile ground for predators. For sure. Fertile. And the reason why is because you have people that are coming from backgrounds where they don't have the structure and the stability emotionally and mentally. And that's not their fault. What you want to do is you want to create a system where we respect the artist, where we love the artist, and we want them to create their art and tell it honestly. You can't do it with these people who are running around doing this shit to kids and abusing women and expect them to change. It's incapable of doing it. Hollywood is incapable of reforming itself. The only way that they're ever going to do it is to kick all of these MFers out. Yeah. Lifetime ban, go to jail, take all of their residuals for the future going forward and just leave them the, you know, the uh, non-essential or the, the essential stuff that they need, whatever. But you take all of that and you put those into funds. You put those into funds for victims. You use treatment programs. You give people opportunities back to them right. because that life was stolen. This is, this is about sole murder of kids, bar none. There, is, there has to be hard lines. I don't give a crap if you're a conservative, a liberal, yeah. a progressive, right. a green and independent. Right. This is a human rights issue, and it's one issue that we need to unite upon. It is not a political issue. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, when growing up, you know, you'd always see these child actors, and they would get these shows, and then they would just become... Mm train wrecks like <clears throat> drug addict train it was almost a running joke like oh why do you why are you putting your kids in those they're going to be drug out and then you realize as you study this stuff oh they're traumatized they've been passed around used and abused and they're dealing with it through drugs and alcohol and that's mm -hmm. and that's why it's such 
a crash and burn. And, you know, the girl from uh, Different Strokes, everyone used to make fun of her, man. Oh, she's such a fucking train wreck. Ha, 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 ha. And she dies of an overdose. She's like, oh, because she probably was fucking abused so badly that she couldn't deal with it, man. Right. And it's like... I don't know why people think we want, have something to gain from this. This isn't something I enjoy. I, I enjoy talking about because I'm shedding light on it, but I wish it was an issue that could be solved and go away. And it's like everybody cares about the children until it's like it's time to really care about the kids, man. Right. And it's at the highest fucking levels and if you think that so uh, why doesn't somebody just come forward they do and nobody does anything let's take a look at Elsa Mack and the Nexium cult right now yeah. how the news just keeps reporting that she's been uh, 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 accused of uh, of sex trafficking no she hasn't she's been accused of child sex trafficking yes. and they won't talk about it yeah the rainbow culture center that's what everybody should be looking at because those centers are all over the world in all, all the major cities and they're all tied to Nexium they got funding. This is the part on a Frank report. If anybody wants to go. Are you talking go. about stuff you see like on Santa Monica Boulevard? I've seen like, I thought I saw a rainbow center. Uh, I don't, I'm not talking about okay, that okay, in particular, okay, but okay. there is one here and there's one in Miami and they have one in, uh, I think London and there's one in uh, Tokyo. But, but the point being is that all of these operations, almost always, including Jerry Sandusky with the second mile, which Lo and behold, as soon as the Paterno thing came out, well, I don't know, they shuttered that thing immediately. And what they found out was that Sandusky, along with the board, was pimping out children to each other. And they shuttered that charity immediately. And so what these, what these a-holes have done um, is they are a direct threat to humanity, period, because there is no stopping them, there is no reforming them, there is no changing them. One of the things that I, I try to talk about, and I don't try to make it personal, I try to let it be where people need to understand what is actually happening. Um, our way that we can, we can counter this, you can yell into the void all day, and we can call out names, and we can, uh, we can launch campaigns online, hashtags, whatever. It's not going to do any good to solve this problem because we're going to be dealing with the social ills of this creation of these, these psychopaths that have basically been with us for many, many decades, and they had the power of the media to cover up the crimes. I mean, we know it from the war side, but most people don't know about the child sex trafficking that's been going on over in Britain and how the New York Times uh, owner... Jimmy Saval? Yeah, Jimmy Saval, and then that same guy who presided over the cover-up of that goes over to the New York Times. Times. Right. So how do you reward people like that? Why do you reward people like that with another job and a position of power after they totally messed up and there's evidence to show that they, they killed stories and made sure that reports went away? So the reality is this. Even if we eradicated all of these people, and I don't mean eradicate in killing. That is not. This is a peaceful uh, drawdown uh, because I certainly don't uh, want anybody to take action on this that, that causes anyone harm. But the realities are that we're going to need to be dealing with child abuse in the final analysis of all of this. And that, that involves what we can do in our families when we see abuse happen, when we have someone such as a brother or sister that comes forward and tells us you know, that dad touched them and did worse to them inappropriately and they blacked out and they have DID, you know, a disassociative disorder. I mean, these are things that people don't conjure up. Human beings that are, are loved and cared for, 
do not conjure up such horrific ideas about things. I mean, have there been people that have lied? Of course there have. But you should even ask why, why would they feel compelled to lie to get attention for something like that? There is there, – this is not human behavior. The same way that you know, we talk about all these social issues and, and how they have to fit and check off certain boxes – that is almost by design to keep course, us attacking yes. each other. For that, sure. That there's, you know, that somehow racism is rising and it's popular and it's spreading. You know, you have to be a really cynical person to believe that people can hear a dog whistle and all of a sudden be turned on by it and change their mind or how they were raised as a child, as in a loving, secure home where you're rational and creative and loving in your ideas that somehow I can be corrupted just because I hear something and then be drawn to it and then let that take hold of me when I have no previous experience with it ever before. So what we're doing is we're, uh, we're treating the symptoms and we're not going to the root cause. And, right. I, and this, this comes from a lady years ago who worked for CASA, which is a, a, I hope is a wonderful organization, at least in their intent which was to try to take kids that are in, I mean, we're talking parents who are meth addicts and, and, and violent. And they have to like pick between the grandma who's suffering from dementia and the, the uncle who's an alcoholic as a place for this kid to land. But what, what the truth be told is, is she said, you know, these kids are going over the waterfall and we're trying to save them from going over the waterfall, which is noble and it's very good. But at some point we need to go upstream and try to figure out and stop the person who keeps throwing them into the right, river right. before they go over to the waterfall. I couldn't agree. We talk, you know, you did a story about you have a movie about homelessness. I mean, there's a good chance a lot of these people who are uh, homeless, in particular Los Angeles, like in the last, what, five years, it's uh, increased by 70%, I've heard. I, I think that around the country, people basically put their mentally ill on a, pl- on a fucking bus and send them out to s- Southern Cal because it's warm and they want to take care of them. And I, I 100% believe that. But they talk about a lot of these kids are basically, they're the, the abused ones. They age out and they just throw them on. You know, for some reason they don't kill them, thank God, and they they throw them onto the street and they're set, and you know and they're there to suffer there, but for the grace of God, go I. I uh, you know, for me, man, it's like I can't control a lot of things in my life, so I really just control how I see the world and how I treat the world and yeah. how I treat others. And I, you know, I had a bad drug problem, man. I fight it all the time. I could easily be that guy in the street with no love and no nothing. So I got a couple bucks, I hand it to him. It's uh. It's it's what it's all about. This shit is 100% real. And I don't know why we don't see a pushback. And you always talk, you were just talking about, I want to get back to this thought I had mm-hmm. about how, you know, we live in this world where everybody thinks racism is on the rise. And I, I don't see it. I don't see homophobia on the rise, no. man. You go, you do a really hard joke about gay people. I hear no matter where you are, red state, blues, a hard like, hey, dude, not cool. You know, not that I do those jokes, but you see it happen, man. I think people are way more educated. You know, it's like, I'm going to say something, man. A fucking inner city gangbanger and a Ku Klux Klan guy have a lot more in common than anybody wants 
me because they're basically they're in their position because economically they're trying to figure out what the fuck is going on in their life and how to explain where they fucking are. And yes, gangbangers have been the result of fucking uh, institutional racism. Yes. But this whole like thing about NAFTA and free trade taking all these jobs away from the rural area, uh, red states, all this stuff. And these guys are stuck with nothing and they want to blame somebody. So in the news, we hear them blame the Mexican and all that. They're just trying to figure out why the fuck they are where they are. And if they actually sat down and had a conversation, they would realize they have way more in common. And I'm not trying to condone racism or Ku Klux Klan. I'm just saying if you sat there and had a real conversation with these people on why they are the, the most hardened gangbanger, the most hardened clan guy, why are you there? It's like, dude, I got nothing going on in my life. I have no hope for the fucking future. I'm just trying to fucking survive. And it sounds really awful, but it's just the truth, man. And you have all these, these, and I just want to get to this point, these fucking, these opportunists, these opportunists who seize these moments and use them for them all. That, 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 I'm going to say it myself, that Khalil Bell or Kwame Bell or whatever his name is, who just put out a special that said a fucking private school Negro. I mean, you went to a private school, dude. You went to a private school and you're sitting here talking about how hard you fucking have it, man. Go to upstate New York where I'm from, okay? People, kids get dropped off. No shower, no clean clothes, dirty underwear, no fucking food, no nothing. And you went to a private school? And you're telling me you're fucking, you got worried? I mean, it's just, it's identity politics, man. Been pulled over 20 times. Not saying there's not racism, man. What I'm saying is like we are more alike than we are different. And we fight over these things that's done on purpose. Yeah, and I mean, if you're looking at it, it's a a replay of, I don't know, 40, 50 years. We've been kind of going through these, these cycles and we keep talking about. And it's like, you know, anybody who, who acts quote, racist today. I mean, try to go outside and say something verbal or act a certain way. You're going to be called out for it immediately. It's not popular. And, and you got to ask yourself, I mean, in, in reality, so you know, I, I didn't pay much attention to this, but when there was that, you know, the meme going around about that woman who called, you know, the police on the, the black family that was picnicking or whatever. Okay. That involved her and them, but social media and the media made it about millions of people. And so you ask yourself, who's the bigger race baiter? Who's the biggest race baiter out there? It's the media. For sure. I mean, they, they promote this crap on a level that you would think I would be walking outside and I'd be seeing all sorts of crap going down and people putting white only signs up there. Sure. I grew up in the South. I went to a school with a kid who was a, whose father was a grand wizard in the KKK. And when you open the, you know, the thing, it said, be prepared and, and all that shit. And it's like, and he was a brilliant kid and he seemed like a really sweet, nice kid. But at the end of the day, is that idea taking hold in root in people? In, in the masses, by tens of millions, such to the point. And when you look at what the media is doing, and I, I fear, this is what I fear, because you have the combination of all these social ills, and we're not talking about the ones that the media checks off. It's the real-life stuff, the, the, the real destruction of humanity that has been allowed to persist, not because it's our fault, but because we're sold a vision and an idea and a, and, a, and a system that we need to move up in and everybody's struggling, it's basically to hold you down For sure. so that you don't fall one rung lower on the ladder than the next guy. So the idea that I, I can't deal with that, I, you know, I got to just keep plotting ahead. 
this is what they've been doing and they're very successful at. So what I would say to people is this, look, get out and start talking to your neighbor. Start talking about these issues. Watch JFK to 9-11, Everything is a Rich Man's Trick. It's a fantastic documentary. Go on and look at Ignette Lucas uh, talking about age six when she was trafficked by the elite and, and the executions that she witnessed of children and the blood that she saw on that butcher block that she was about to be murdered from and somebody on the inside happened to care for her just enough that she could get out so she could tell her story. You look at all these different, there is so much information out there. You have to be willfully ignorant at this point. But the, but the biggest problem that I see coming, and I'm, I'm mostly concerned about it, which has made me buy a gun. Uh, never in my life would I think I would have a gun and, and, and be, you I'm know. I'm pro-gun. Yeah. I, I mean, here's the thing. Um. You have the press for the last two years who has stroked enormous fear in the lives of millions of people in this country. And when you factor in the fact that we have a fifth of our country on antidepressants. All when you done f- on purpose. Yeah. Dude. All of this is, is to create the powder keg that is yep. needed to bring society to its knees for sure. so that you have a police state. For sure, dude. And if you don't address these issues, if you don't start loving your kids, if you don't start loving your family and the people around you who deserve that, who have earned that with you, uh, and working together to try to find solutions. Let me just say this. Any idea that you and I have is better than any of these motherfuckers who have been in power for years. No matter how insignificant anybody thinks that... uh, you know, I, I, it's stupid. I don't. I want. I want everybody to watch John Rappaport in uh, a 2014 uh, presentation they did on mind control. It sounds like you know something weird, but what he goes into is he's talking about the Matrix. The Matrix is this illusion of I reality. Totally believe in it that too. we're in, it, and it's not. It's not anything mystical. It's just what has been constructed. The world that has been presented to us, and thinking that this is how life is, and this is how. Donald Trump, for better or worse, blew a hole into reality. It's real, right? The, the, the fight between him and the deep state is real, oh, right? It's absolutely it's real. Not, it's not business as usual. You would have to believe that he's risking his life and, and that all of this charade that's going on to try to get him out of office, to stop him, to bring him down, is a coordinated effort. Because he's playing on their team. And it doesn't make any sense what they're doing because the CIA's, the, the, the FBI's in shambles right now. I mean, they're still working, but it's like two directors have stepped down. One director of the CIA's had his fucking clearance stripped. I mean, the mass media, nobody's watching corporate media. I mean, like, these are their tools that they've set up. It makes no sense. Now, am I saying that he's not doing the, you know, military industrial complex game? And part of me wants to believe because he keeps talking about why to pull people out and then next day oh we're going harder and i think it's right i i so in that aspect donald trump is business as usual with the military industrial con- and the bombing of the brown people but there is something going on mm-hmm. between him and the fucking establishment and, and, and i come from the background of my political awakening or or whatever you want to call it michael rupert and collapse in 2009 it was his great documentary um then I looked at, you know, I, I followed Chomsky and I, and I looked at Hedges and I read Death of the Liberal Class. And I mean, it's playing out to a T because what you're seeing is essentially all of the institutions, not just the FBI and DOJ 
and not these skirmishes and political battles as they're presented to you, but all the institutions that America was founded on and the principles of a republic or a democratic republic have been destroyed, co-opted, or completely turned and corrupted to be weaponized against the people. And the biggest example of that is the surveillance state. And when you look at the tech companies, in fact, that Facebook has a 29,000-point profile on every person. I mean, you know, this is beyond marketing and, and, and advertising. Dude, we talked about this on the show. LifeLog, a Pentagon program, ends February 4th, 2004. When was Facebook in, uh, registered? February 4th, 2004. Yes. Snapchat. Snapchat has never made a dollar. Why does it keep fucking going? Oh, it's facial recognition. So now they have all these hot, light-skinned black strippers fucking facial recognitions because they look like fucking bunny rabbits, okay? <laughs> so it's like, it's all like, to get to the highest level, it's yeah. all in on it. We've, we've, I mean, dude, I mean, you could sit there and like, okay, the Republicans are awful people. I think both sides suck. But let's take a look at what's going on here. Like the the deregulation of media. Who did that? The Clintons. Okay, who passed right before he got out of uh, out of office a thing that made it legal for the U.S. government to use propaganda against some people? Obama. Mm-hmm. These are real things. So when you bring up that woman who's like, ah, these 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 guys are barbecuing and they're black and get them out, I question whether that's even a real fucking thing. Because right. so who's that fucking stupid? And and also, is she the problem? Yeah. Is she is she the big problem that we're all having to stare down and right now? And it just become opportunists who grab it to spin it in to uh, oh here more followers, more people. It's a dopamine a hit. T- I yeah. Told, uh, yeah, a dopamine hit. The, the, you get in this echo chamber of retweets, 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 you know? Yeah. And you sit down, you talk to people like, like how many people that you have a real problem with have you sat down and had a real conversation with on why this is? And I would go, hey, clan guy who hates everybody, have you ever sat down and had a conversation with these fucking people? Yeah. No. What have they actually done to you? Nothing. But you've been told from very high up, these people are taking your jobs. They're rapists. They're all these people. And they're not at all. No. They just want to pay their fucking, they just want to make a dollar, feed their family, have a drink, and get laid once in a while. Just like, that's why I've learned the rest of the world is but there's these power elites that just fucking turn us and turn us and it's dark arts you know i always get talk we've been doing nothing but banker wars oh jews it's not jews it's not muslims it's not fucking christians or catholics it's dark arts okay you got the jesuits the kazarians the lucifer the, the luciferians and all they they use jews Muslims and Christian face as masks to walk amongst us. Mm-hmm. They don't believe in any of that dog shit. They wouldn't pee on somebody of their own religion to save their fucking life. Yeah. It's the truth, ma'am. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, from Bernie from Bernie Sanders' campaign to now, it, it's... You saw uh, you saw data or something? You saw something happen yeah. that was very... Can you get into that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so during the Democratic primary, uh, I was pretty active. Um, I saw Bernie Sanders in a rally in uh, Wisconsin, I mean online, in July of 2015, and I was just... I was pulled in. I had seen him a couple times on you know TV, whatever. But I got I got to following and I, I donated. I mean I was I donated like seventy eighty times. Me but too. but the but the main thing was is that I paid really close attention to everything. And my background is in business systems analyst, so I've been doing that for about twelve years. And I saw signs that were like I was looking at the polls, and so you don't just take the percentages, but you look at the the devil in the details, and you start breaking those down into 
I mean, you know, you start talking to math beyond one plus one to people, and then you got to divide, and they're yeah. like, oh, you know, okay. Right. So basically what I did is I found that the polls were completely rigged, completely. And then next, the, the results, um, when I was reading these reports of one guy who had sat in 25 years of political um, campaigns all over the world, he says, I've never seen anything like this in, in my 25 years. This is a meteoric rise like Facebook growth. Uh, and this was after the first uh, Super Tuesday. Anyway, I, I started documenting some of these things, and then people were bringing up anomalies and, and votes disappearing and this, that, and the other. So I finally started my own kind of thing and um, went back and got New York's Board of Elections data, the raw data, and I started uh, working with a coder in Japan who was writing a code that would download all of the real-time results as they're reported on the website. So all of the the chain of command is, you know, Board of Elections maybe sends it over to the AP. The AP then publishes it out. And that's why you see like New York Times and CNN and everything and Huffington Post like almost updating almost at the same time or, or relatively like the same results. And so what we did was we downloaded those every 10 seconds on a repeater. So we got a lot of same results, but we were also able to detect anomalies where votes were missing. And in my analysis, I did New York first. So Bernie Sanders wins 79 to 80% of all the counties in New York comparatively to Obama in 2008, which he only won, supposedly won. And... um, The same amount of votes were cast, 1.8 to 1.9 million in the, in the final analysis of everything. Now, we know about the purge and all that kind of stuff, but what's really remarkable is that the turnout among the state where Bernie won was at forty minimum 45 and upwards of 56% turnout of registered voters in each of those counties. When you go into Clinton's and the ones that she won, we're talking about a drop-off of 10% voter turnout. But when you get to New York City, it's less than 30%. And what we recorded, and we did it by district, and we ran it against the code, and we lined it all up on a timeline, we saw between uh, 10.54 p.m. and about 12.15, 1.4 million votes were removed. Now, the argument was, oh, well, it was put back. No, it wasn't. If you have these results coming in, you're just changing them out for the next group that's coming in so you can always keep it down. And they're doing it within like seconds of each other. So you can't detect it. But well, there's like, but what was crazy about all of this is that it wasn't the state. It was just across all of the districts in New York City. And what we also saw was in some of these returns where Bernie won. But we're talking like a swing from her having 57%, all of a sudden him going to 62%. I mean, just like in the next return. We saw this in Oregon. Oregon, he won in a landslide. And the reason why I know that is because when we did we did the analysis on that, it was like almost he was way ahead. And then she came and it, it like evened. And then he pulled out at the end. And in order to pull away, you have to have more, you know, at, at the very end. It's like if you start out your class right. with an F. Right. Okay. And A is only going to get you a C. Right. Right. So you have to make up more right. as you go and as you accumulate. You have to have a super A. Right. 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 So anything in that last 20 to 30%. So to if she has an F, he has a B. For her to get to the B, she has to have like a monster A yes. that doesn't exist. Right. Right. So, but then here's the thing I also did the post day counting 
which was the provisionals or the mail-ins in Oregon. With Oregon, he won 68% with those mail-ins. In California. Oh, dude, don't even That was the monster enough. of all frauds. I mean, we're talking Talk about, we've got me. the machines, we've got the provisionals, we've got the, the voter list. I mean, this is all to sculpt an electorate. So you have a predictable outcome that doesn't overcome the machines, right? Because the machines are calibrated and set based on previous expectations of voter turnout. Wow. This is how they do this. And, and Bev Harris is perfect. She's great black box voting. She's been around for well over a decade. She talks about fractional votes. She shows how the machines are. I mean, everybody knows this stuff, but we kind of all play in this like this world. We're arguing over rigged elections. And this has been going on for decades. This is right. not something new. This goes back when Ross Perot scared the holy hell shit yeah. out of Bush and them. I'm sure he won states. Yeah. I, I mean, people believe that he won the debates. I mean, these are focus groups. This is all Dude, on the- he, everything he said in that, in, in that Al Gore, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, NAFTA. Yeah, he was all right. Yeah. He told us when he was on Larry King and Al Gore looked us in the eye and lied right to our faces. And that's why when people, and I know you and I both believe in environmentalism and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but when people go, the environment, all that shit's bullshit. Al Gore's full of shit. That's why. Because yeah. when he had a chance to stop the Florida thing and he could have done an investigation, he chose not to. Right. When he looked, was on Larry King, he lied right to us. You know, he has no credit. His, his daughter married a Rothschild. I mean, like, I don't know yeah. how many strikes you <laughs> fucking need, man. Well, I, I want to say this because I went to Bernie directly. And I went to Jane directly, and I presented the results. Now, I didn't get any response from it. That's fine. That's a weird thing, too. Yeah. I I mean, I understand that politics is a very dangerous game. I I mean, it is. In the United States, especially. And not just because of Hillary Clinton. uh, Because of the structures of power in D.C. and beyond that – that call all this. This is all coming from you know. We, we could talk about the Bank of London all day, but oh, but the, City and the Crown. Of but but the but the the realities are that that she lost in such a grand fashion in the primary. I'm talking about like we're not even we're not even scratching. This is not even a close race. We're talking about sixty percent of the votes going all the way back to Iowa in his favor. And you look at the fundraising. He out fundraised her, even with the Hillary Victory Fund of the eighty-four million injected illegally into her camp. From he out, some foreign country, right, right? But with but with eighty-four million still padding, he out fundraised her by over a hundred million dollars. And when you ask yourself, okay, well, you know, it's a silent majority. Not everybody should. You know, caucuses. This caucuses are the most democratic process because it's the hardest to rig. Oh yeah, because it's just like you gotta raise your hand, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, I mean, they can still they can still manipulate it, but they can't do the kinds of things that you need right. to do with the visuals. Right. But all in all, what I wanted to say is this: we 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 don't live in a democracy. We don't live in a republic. Um, what we have to start doing is working together, and we have to coalesce around these ideas that. It's to fight this system is never going to win. We're never going to win fighting the system. What we have to do is we have to rebuild in another direction with our um, ideas and our imaginations. And the first step is that we all agree that no one, no matter what level of power you ascend to, Eric Schneiderman and what he did is not an anomaly. These are people who are criminal. They have criminal minds and they're criminals in costume playing politicians. Those are the powerless people. They're actually the servant class. 
And everything else up above them, though, is the gravy train. That's where that's where they get their power because they are all here for theater to keep us contained and fighting amongst each other. And the moment we say no more, it does end for them. It really does. They, we, we can actually divest our power from them. It's so interesting because they've created a system in which at the end of the day, they they don't control, meaning they, they, they've created a system where the world economy runs off the United States buying everything, yes, right? Yes, debt. Yeah. So if that population fuck bucks and says kiss our ass, they can't do anything about it because it's the system they set up. After 9-11, when, when George Bush was like, hey, man, just go out to movie theaters, fucking, you know, buy stuff. Buy. That was because... The economy had gone boom, and then nobody was buying it. Nobody's leaving their house, and then the whole thing was about to crash and burn. Yep. And they, so at the end of the day, yeah, they run everything, but they are slaves to us buying everything. Yes. And if we go no more, no more, they're gonna have to play ball. And just know this, man: you sit there and you openly know these guys that you are are elect they're lying to you. It's like when guys try to get laid with women. They say whatever they want, whatever we think the chick wants to hear so we could get laid. Whether that's right or wrong, that's the game that's been played forever, right? I used to do jokes about it, right? And then what happens? We the, we elect these guys knowing they're lying to us. And then they get in, they don't give a shit about us, but when people like you, me, Jimmy Dore, Lee Camp sit out there and go, "Hey, they're lying to us." People push back, "Oh, stop it." Yeah. That's they're, my guy. Yeah. That's my lady. Why would they lie to you? You know they're lying. They like politicians are known as liars. And yet when we call them liars, you push back so hard on us, man. Well, mm. dude, I could have you on a thousand times. You I'd know, love to be on here. I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch you to um Jimmy Dore. I don't know if he'll he'll take my recommendation, but I think this voter stuff is so good. I think he would love to hear what you have to say yeah. about it. Uh, again, uh, he's John Paul Rice. He's with the company No Restrictions Entertainment. Uh, where can they find all your stuff? Uh, if they go to norestrictionsent.com, uh, it'll pull you over to A Child's Voice, which is the latest film. We're also on Amazon and, uh, sorry, Vimeo. You can look up all of our titles under Edgar Michael Bravo or No Restrictions Entertainment. You can find our films there. Uh, we're also on Prime, so if you're a Prime member, you can watch our movies for free. But the main thing we want to get out is that these are movies that deal with social issues. They're not – they're rarely addressed issues in Hollywood. And the way that we show them is not with an agenda other than the truth. And we hope that what we need to do, if you if you buy our movie or you download it, show it to as many people as you can. We need to wake up as many people as we can about what's going on uh, in the world because at the end of the day, uh, this is our future. If we believe kids are our future – We've got to save as many kids as we can, and we've got to love the rest of them to make sure that they grow up to be healthy, loving people that are not subject to these predators. You know what, man? You want to prove me wrong? Call for an investigation. Call for an investigation of these people. Prove me wrong. If I would love to be proven wrong. I would love to be like, Sam, they did a thorough investigation, and you're full shit. And I will come on here and apologize. But I know they won't. I mean, the L.A. Sheriff badge has the fucking pedophile symbol in it all over it. I mean, it's at the highest levels, dude. I mean, yeah. it's just, if you don't think the system's corrupted, why do you think they do lifetime appointments of judges? They get these guys in, and they sit there for fucking ever. And it fucking sucks. And it's all real. And I know these things, sometimes these episodes get you sad. Again, let's go back and control what we can control. Yeah. How we see people. 
how we let people like John McCain, who've done horrible things to the rest of the world, when he passes away, or was put to death, depending on who you're talking to, okay? <laughs> right? When this guy passes, don't let them paint him as a war hero. Don't let them say what a great American he was, because we know he wasn't. And that's me talking, okay? If you got a problem with that, get with me. I sit there and I can only control certain things. How I see people, how I remember people, and how I interact with the world around me. Be nice to others. Do three things a day nice for other people, not expecting stuff back. And see how much your world changes. When you help for the sake of help, don't judge people. You don't know where they come. Some people are literally born to a world of shit. And it ain't black and yeah. it ain't white and it ain't nothing. It's rich versus poor. And if you don't think that, you're blinded. It's the truth. Love everybody. My friend, you kicked a whole lot of ass. We'll have you back very soon. I love you guys. And uh, we will see you soon for sure. Hold on. See if I can play this. Play the song. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for your support. I love you guys very much. Check out BetDSI.com.